So you want to know the ins and outs of managing your money. Well, lucky for you, you're just in time for another episode of Master Your Finances with certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker. Kurt and his panel of experts are here for you and will cover topics from a legal and personal standpoint. They'll discuss tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Ryder University. Now, let's learn how we can better change our habits with Kurt Baker. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I am Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional located in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached through our website, which is www.cwmi.us or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. Uh, this week, very pleased to have with us Mitchell Ketchin, who's the president and founded Ketchin Financial Group in 1995 and has been in the financial services industry for more than 30 years. He previously worked for Prudential, Nationwide, and Voya before becoming his own firm. As uh, president, Mitchell oversees other members of our staff on a daily basis, makes decisions regarding employment and affiliation with potential recruits and maintains his own book of business, including life insurance, annuities, and securities. So, Mitch, I know you've got a long career in this. You've been around a long time and seen a lot of changes. And the one thing we want to talk about today, I guess, and I know you're, you know this as well as I do, that long-term care is a really big issue. And um, I think it's time to talk about it again and really kind of bring it to the forefront. It is a little complicated. It is important. And I believe a lot of people are, uh, misunderstand that there are many, many options out there that weren't even there five or 10 years ago. So I think uh, maybe we should start revisiting it. Welcome back, Mitch. We really appreciate it. And I guess we can, uh, we can get started. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds very, very good, Kurt. And thank you again for having me back. I was looking at my calendar. It was almost two years to the day oh, wow. <laughs> uh, that we did uh, our last recording. So thank you for having me back. Um, uh, I can roll right into this if you like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I can. I mean, as you know, there's multiple ways. Let me start off. With, I guess there's multiple ways to, to fund long-term care, right? You want to just talk about the basic methodologies, and then we can kind of break into a couple yeah. of the different ones, and you know how they might be a little different and things like that. How's that sound? So, so let's start with what is long-term care. Um, Long-term care is a variety of services which help meet both medical and non-medical needs of people with a chronic illness or a disability who cannot care for themselves for a long period of time. Um, when we go talking about long-term care, the, the mechanisms uh, that are wrapped around long-term care are what they call activities of daily living. Activities of daily living drive a lot of the insurance policies we'll talk about today, in fact, they drive all the policies that we talk about today as far as when am I eligible to receive benefits. So if I can, I just wanted to go through what the six activities of daily living are. Um, and again, typically when it comes to insurance products, you need to not be able to perform two of the six in order to qualify for a lot of these insurance policies we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, so the first one is bathing and showering. A person cannot bathe or shower themselves. Uh, they cannot perform personal hygiene and grooming to include not being able to brush your own hair. They cannot dress themselves. They cannot uh, go to uh, toileting, normal hygiene, uh, in the toilet or in the bathroom, functional mobility, transferring, getting from place to place. Uh, they're not able to um, feed themselves, and that's not including cooking. So I, th I think it's timely when we look at the activities of daily living. And uh, one of the sure ways that somebody doesn't qualify is when uh, they unfortunately get Alzheimer's. And I want to just touch a minute, if I could, Kurt, on Alzheimer's, because there was a lot of news around Alzheimer's in the press this week with Biogen. 
developing a drug called uh, Adelhelm, which is not a cure uh, for Alzheimer, but it's a very important advance uh, treatment for the disease. Um, and if I may, I just have a little bit into how that uh, drug works and uh, what the qualifications are. Uh, to receive Adelhelm from a physician, the individual must undergo an FDA-required diagnostic test. So it's not an automatic that you can just call your doctor up and say, I want that drug now. Um, this is the first Alzheimer drug approved by the FDA since 2003. Uh, just a little background on Alzheimer's. And again, we're talking about long-term care, but again, this is one of the trigger mechanisms that won't allow you to perform the activities of daily living. There are 6 million people in the United States who have Alzheimer's. There's 30 million people globally. Uh, just this week on June 7th, Biogen announced uh, a year supply of this drug as it stands today in terms of market cost would cost a person $56,000 a year. So this is not a cheap drug by any means. I don't know how the insurance companies are gonna look at this, but uh, it's a very important drug to slow down uh, the cognitive impairment that's associated with Alzheimer's. Um, when I was doing a little research for your show this morning, I saw that the Wall Street Journal published an article yesterday. And uh, one of the individuals, the vice president of research and development of Biogen, Alfred Sandrock, so I'll quote him, um, said this will be the catalyst for not only uh, this type of drug targeting ways of innovation in Alzheimer's disease, uh, but it's also kind of a, a stepping stone for other pharmaceuticals and other biotechs to get involved in the market. And uh, he continues by talking about when multiple sclerosis, uh, the drug called beta interferon was approved in 1993 under this accelerated approval process through the FDA, which a lot of your audience is familiar with, with the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, since 1993, we now have 20 drugs approved for MS in just the last 25 years. So this is a, this is a great um, announcement that we heard this week. And I think there's more coming wrapped around the Alzheimer's. So I just wanted to touch on that because I thought it was timely. Oh, I think it's very timely. And I think, you know, we're, it seems like the medical world is getting more and more uh, advanced at a, a more rapid pace. I mean, we just watched the way we responded to the pandemic that we thought originally was going to take several years and it was done, well, I think it was like nine months or something. And that's just, that was just unheard of uh, as far as the timing of, of coming out with a, a result. It makes you kind of wonder if we put that kind of effort behind these other uh, chronic illnesses. Uh, and I think, I think one thing that sometimes people don't realize is dementia, Alzheimer's, which is like the leading cause of needing long-term care, as you're kind of pointing out here, one of the leading causes um, actually can happen much younger than you think. People think of people like 80s, 90s, things like that. No, I mean, this happens in 40s and 50s. And I mean, it happens significantly younger than a lot of people think about. And there's other reasons that this might happen, right? They might get into an auto accident, have a traumatic brain injury. There's many things that can happen to us that often we don't really think about that in reality, you and I see this a lot more than probably most do is, is we have, because we're dealing with it on the, on the financial side of it, making sure they can take care of it, it's much more likely to happen than we think. And it's not just the individual, it's, it, 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 it affects the family's finances, right? As well, because they wanna take care of their loved ones. And so when this happens to one member of the family, we do have to plan for this carefully and understand the risks that are involved here, which I, I, as I said, I think are a little higher than most people realize. Yeah, 100%. And uh, the drug couldn't come out uh any better in terms of timing because as we as baby boomers continue to reach age 65 and the last statistic I uh, saw was there'll be 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 um, every single day. So, and that's expected to be the number up until the 2030s. So in terms of putting that into a, a even better metric for us to understand 
that seven baby boomers are turning 65 every minute. So yep. with age, you're 100% right. The average mean, what I read was this is affecting people 40, 50. The average is in the 60s, early 60s, right. is the onset, the whole Alzheimer's. So the planning that we do wrapped around long-term care and providing the, the money uh, that you brought up is extremely important uh, for the folks that are listening to this right now, very timely. And I agree. I think that's touching on when people should start really focusing on this. Uh, of course, the earlier, the better. But uh, really, but if you haven't really addressed it in some way by your mid-50s, you're kind of getting you're really taking a risk because as time goes on, uh, the cost of the things we're going to discuss will, will get more expensive, right? Because uh, um, you're getting closer to those older ages where it's more likely you're going to incur the costs. So the earlier you start the planning process, um, I think the better. And I know we're going to go into the multiple ways. I mean, I think of it as the four ways of funding it, right? Of course, self-funding, but very few are able to do that. And then you've got um, the other the other ones, which is traditional long-term care, uh, the annuity products and life insurance products, which I know we're going to get into. Again, you know a lot about this stuff. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to get back into some of the specifics on how we can address it. Yeah, you're listening to Master Your Finances. We'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker here with Mitchell Katchen of Katchen Financial. And we've been talking about uh, long-term care, and we kind of briefly went over the fact that there are, are four ways to fund it. One is self-funding, which uh, very few people are actually at the capability, given the costs that Mitchell's going to go over. Uh, the next would be uh, you have annuity products out there that he'll talk about. There's traditional long-term care, which most people are familiar with. It's been around the longest. And then you have life insurance programs that help you to also help with long-term care if that need arises. So Mitch, do you want to kind of go through some of the uh, the reasons why we need to get it and, and why it's maybe early, uh, good to plan early, right? Earlier you plan, yes. the better. So you bring up a very good point about that. And uh, there's a couple of variables around planning early. One is certainly the cost of the products that you purchase. Uh, the younger you are, the cheaper it will be we also have to deal with issues called insurability. A lot of people as they get older are not as healthy as they are when they're younger. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily uh, take them out of the market, but there could be some additional cost uh, from the insurance company because of that insurability issue. The other uh, factor you have to consider is you know, when you're in your 50s and you're looking at long-term care insurance, there's a big universe of products that are available, uh, 50s and 60s. When you get into your 70s, that product scope starts narrowing dramatically. And by the time you're in your 80s, there's only a select few options that you'll have. So beside the price, you're also going to limit the options that are available to you. Um, I just want to go through some of the numbers as it relates to long-term care costs. So uh, the home care service, which is having somebody come into your home to take care of you, because obviously at this point you cannot take care of yourself. The average cost in this area uh, is up. Last time I looked at the statistics or I talked on the show was a couple of years ago. And back then it was $4,000 a month. That number now is closer to $4,500 a month. So it's gone up $6,000 a year if you multiply the number by 12. Uh, and the same thing with, that's homemaker services. You're looking at home health aids. Uh, the number has gone up again from 4,200 only four years ago, up closer to $4,700 now. Uh, and we're talking on a monthly basis. Um, assisted living needs are anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 a month. And really the variable behind that is 
What type of medication does a person need? What type of personal services do they need? So just bare entry to get into the homes, um, when I say home assisted livings, are 5,000 and the number continues to go up for the added on services. Uh, nursing homes, those are uh, private nursing homes. They're up at $11,000 a month. Uh, Semi-private rooms are $9,500 uh, a month. And then the, the, the thing that we really didn't talk about last time, adult daycare seems to be one other way of people um, are looking to take care of their parents and, and let them go out and interact with other adults if they're functional. Uh, that's running about $1,600 a month. So all of these items that I just discussed would be covered under most long-term care policies in that the insurance company would pay the freight, not you as an individual. Um, I'll pause for a second there, Kurt, see if you have anything you'd like to add to that. <laughs> no, no, that's great. I'm glad you explained that because these are a lot of the services that I believe sometimes um, are, are kind of first in line. I mean, but sometimes people think of long-term care they're thinking of nursing home care, right? Uh, when you you know we have uh, we, where you have to stay in a in a home and have twenty four seven nurse attending you, but the reality is uh, most people would prefer to to age in place, and that includes for long term care needs. So if they are having troubles with the two of the six uh, activities of daily living, yet they still maybe want to stay in their home, um, or maybe they have a spouse, uh, they don't really want to leave them. So there's lots of family reasons that people like to stay at home we tend to do better medically if we're at home and in our in our surroundings that we're familiar with so for the majority of people the longer you can actually stay in your familiar surroundings the ones that you like um, they tend to do better now there's a lot of great facilities out there as well which is kind of nice that's one of the things that has been a response to this uh, but it's really about options and having the ability to pay for those options is is very very important in fact it's very important in getting into the facilities themselves is many times you have to show that you have the ability to not just pay that first month you have to show the ability to pay uh, as long as necessary that they think you need to be in the facility and some of them as you know mitch will have um, you know a period of time where you have to privately pay even if they are medicaid eligible facilities you may have to pay for the first couple of years on your own and then if you run your assets down then they may be able to pick it up but not all facilities even have that so again the planning is really important and you want the options to be on on your side right you don't want the the government dictating what you have to do and where you have to go if that should happen because as you know sometimes these are crisis situations we don't want that to happen if at all possible yeah that's a good point um you want the options and medicaid is a last option. You have to, like you said, spend down all your assets. So there's nothing to leave behind before you're going to be eligible for a Medicaid uh, bed and Medicaid facility. And that Medicaid facility might not be in your backyard. You might have to go 30, 45th way from where your loved ones are. And I don't know that that's a great option either, because you do want somebody to go in and check on you, especially if it's uh, cognitive reasons of why you're into the assisted living facilities. So by purchasing a long-term care policy and having the dollars, it just provides you a lot more options. Um, the question becomes, does Medicare pay for long-term care? Um, Medicare covers long-term care, but it's known as custodial care. And uh, the shortness or the reason behind Medicare covering anything, it's typically short term. Right. So it's not going to go for a long uh, period of time. It's typically carrying a long term care uh, facility like a hospital. You just came out of a surgery. You have a medical condition. Medicare would cover uh, some of that to, again, to a certain certain percentage of days that you're eligible for this. Um, skilled nursing care in a skilled nursing facility. These are covered by Medicare. Uh, eligible home health care, uh, intermittent um, uh, skilled nursing, physical therapy, occupational therapy, hospice and respite care. But these are not long-term events. These are very short-term events. Uh, so yes, you can certainly uh, fall back on Medicare for a short period of time, but a lot of what we're discussing in today's show 
doesn't really fit within these categories. And if they do, it's not going to fit into those categories for a long period of time as far as what Medicare is going to cover. Oh, I agree with that. And and we all, we all should be planning uh, in some way, shape or form to cover this because the the likelihood of needing it at some point in your life is pretty high, right? Uh, it, it's really a question of how long you're going to need long-term care. Is it going to be for a few weeks, a few months, or many years in some cases? Uh, I mean, my mother-in-law, I believe she was in a facility, I think it was like six or seven years at least. Um, and so she was in there for quite a while. Uh, and so some people, so you have to plan for all contingencies, regardless if it's just for a few months or if it's a very for a very long period of time as well. Yeah, agreed. Uh uh, I just wanted to touch a little bit and then we'll get into product mm -hmm. selections about tax deductibility of long-term care. Uh, and again, it's going to vary by age. So if you're 40 years or younger, your tax, uh, tax uh, deductibility of long-term care is $430 for the year. And that's 2020. Uh, 40 to 55 is $810. 51 to 60 is 1630. 61 to 70 is $4,350. 871 plus is $5,430. So the government's incenting people uh, to actually purchase this so that you can get a tax deduction when you buy this. Because again, the government's not providing this. And I think that's an important point to make. If the government's giving strong incentives to First of all, buy long-term care insurance, right? And plus the benefit comes out tax-free. Then you know that their stats are showing the same thing that we're discussing, which is there's a very high need in the population. And as you pointed out, baby boomers are getting to the age now where the need is going to arise and it's going to become a tremendous expense. Uh, I know where I'm living, these facilities are going up constantly. Um, the long-term care facilities, the memory care facilities, so uh, the developers are certainly seeing it and they're building a lot more of these facilities than they were even five or 10 years ago. Oh yeah, they're popping up all over the place and to accommodate the, the, the need of people who wanna go into these facilities. And, and you talked about it before, some of these are like country clubs, you know, some of these facilities, it's like being on, on a boat, you know, you're on a cruise ship, you know, you're getting your meals, you're getting your laundry, you're getting activities. Um, there are specialists that we work with that can help individuals at no cost to find the right facility for that individual. These specialists get paid by the facility. So also you can keep that in mind for your audience. There are people out there that have vetted out a lot of these facilities, so you don't have to go it alone. And uh, the incentive for the individual uh, that's helping your loved ones find a facility is uh, a, they know the facilities that are local in any area, and B, uh, it's peace of mind knowing that you're not paying for that. So I would also keep that in mind. I think that's a great point, and, and I, it's something I mention to my clients often is, is, is you kind of shop for this now, right, as far as at least thinking about what types of services you may or may not want. Some people want, like, everything, right? They want to do all kinds of great activities, and other people are like, no, I, 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 that's just not something I'm going to use. So I think it's good to go out and get a feel for what is out there and what's available. And, and as you point out, many people use these facilities, these, um, you know, before needing long-term care necessarily, these retirement, um, you know, continuing care type facilities and active living facilities and things like that uh, because they like the lifestyle, right? We have, a, we have a mutual friend that's an advisor, right? And he, he loves it, right? He, he, he lives in one of these places, not because he has a, an issue of, as far as uh, being able to uh, function. He's still working, but he loves it. He likes the lifestyle. And that's, uh, you know, that's a great thing to do. So, um, yeah, this is fantastic. So we're going to get into, I guess, some of the ways that we can actually uh, pay for this. If you don't, aren't one of those uh, relatively small percentage of people who can self-fund, uh, when we come back in just a few moments, you're listening to Master Your Finances. We'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Master Finances. I'm Kurt Baker here with Mitch Ketchin of Ketchin Financial. And we've been talking about long-term care and how to handle the cost of long-term care. And there are many ways to fund it. And so I think maybe we'll start off, Mitch, talking a little bit about traditional long-term care insurance and some of the things that have been out there for a while that I think are finally being better understood that I know that the, when we were younger, long-term care insurance was extremely inexpensive and to the point where the actuaries uh, actually made a mistake, not realizing that um, people were going to hold on to this policy. They were expecting a lot more people to let it lapse, which is kind of traditionally the way insurance works. A certain number of people buy it, a certain amount of people lapse, they get to keep the money, they keep investing it, but people held on to it and they kept their policies. And when it came time to pay out, they didn't have enough money. So they started raising premiums on the class, right, which is the group. And they have to go to the state and ask for that. So that's kind of a big deal when they do that. And people were upset because their premiums went up. But I think a lot of that's behind us. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and uh, kind of where we are and how it works, the uh, traditional sure. long-term care insurance? Sure. So again, like uh, Kurt mentioned, this was the first type of product that was available out to the general public. Um, the issues around the standalone long-term care policies, and you mentioned it, is the older ones that are in play have had multiple increases. So clients aren't really excited to see a premium escalate, but they really have no choice. When you, when you write a policy for somebody 15 years ago, like I had, or even 20 years ago, when they were in their 60s and now in their 80s, it doesn't make any sense to give these policies up. So if the client can't afford to pay the extra amount in the premium, then the insurance company will give them options on how basically to water down their benefit. So if they have a no waiting period, they, um, they go on claim after two of the six activities of daily living, um, we might have to raise that to a 30 day waiting period, which they call an elimination period. Uh, some will have to go to a 60 day elimination period. So the design of the standalone policies is predicated based off of what the clients can afford to pay for premium and what is normal in their area as far as the cost of the long-term care, in-home care. And we wanna make sure that the policies cover both. It's real important because you touched on it before. 70% of the people that go on claim wanna first go on claim in their home. So it's important that the products that we're using, we're talking about one, it's called the standalone long-term care product, um, covers that in-home care expense. It's very, very important. So we can, as professionals in the business, kind of customize the design of the product to fit the client's needs and the client's budget. So those out there who are saying, well, this is really expensive, I'm gonna turn this off right now, doesn't have to be. And it's expensive compared to what, is what I'll, I'll tell my clients. Would you rather pay $4,000? I'm just putting out an example and don't hold me to the prices. <laughs> Would you rather pay $4,000 a month for somebody to come in your house or worse, go into a facility and pay $10,000 a month? Or would you rather pay uh, three or $400 a month uh, for 12 months uh, in a policy premium and know that you're covered and that $4,000 a month expense is gonna be covered for an in-home care or slightly more to cover the, the long-term care of an assisted living or an in-home care. So it's really predicated based on how much per day a client wants to reserve in dollars, uh, which I'll factor out on a monthly basis and how long they wanna wait to receive the money. So that, that's kind of the driving tail, plus the age of the client, plus if there's any health issues with the client. That's what's going to drive the premium. So there's not one price fits all. Uh, again, we can customize on the standalone policies. Um, some of the cons, and we talked about one of the cons of the standalone is even with today's pricing being closer to being accurate to what a person uh, will pay, the insurance company still leaves themselves um, some wiggle room to raise that premium at some point in the future. But again, you said it before, it's not just on that individual's policy, 
it's on the group of individuals that fit in that policy. And that premium increase isn't an arbitrary thing that the insurance company does. They have to file that request with the state insurance department. So it's, it, there's, a, there's a process here. Um, some of the standalone uh, benefits besides the money that you'll receive uh, and maybe one of the other not so great things about a loan policy is a lot of them are what's called a reimbursement of claims. So there are some flexibility with other policies where they become an indemnification policy. In other words, you go out on claim because you cannot perform two of the six activities of daily living. The insurance companies will then qualify you as eligible to receive money and they will just send that money to you. And if you're not able to take care of yourself, a caregiver, and they can spend the money as they see fit to accommodate your long-term care needs. If you need to build a handicap uh, ramp in front of your home, if you need to refit your bathrooms, uh, again, there's no getting approval. Standalone long-term care policies typically want you to submit the claim first and then get approved. That's not to get discouraged. If you're going to use a, a qualified facility to come into your home to take care of, of yourself or a loved one, once they vet it out, the claim is something that they're willing to pay, it becomes an automatic. It's not like you have to continue to resubmit that expense every month. But any new expenses that you submit, it's got to get approved. So that's one, you know, two of the cons, if you will, or two of the negative factors for the standalone policy. But let me be clear, anything we're discussing on this program is a lot better than coming out of pocket and paying for it. Right? Yeah, that, that's a great. And I, and, yeah, we, and, I, and I had to deal with that, like setting up reimbursement. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how, how easy it actually was. I mean, you put in the person's information, they did some kind of, you know, check, put them in the system. Once they were in the system, then they just sent it to them. I mean, it was, it was, you know, you, they put in their hours. They, they, so it's, it is reimbursement, but it, it wasn't, I was thinking, uh, you know, I, I was thinking like you travel for a corporation, right? Where you got to pull out all your receipts and you got to send all this stuff in. It was actually a little different. It was kind of like you approve the entity or the person or the service. And once you approve the service, they're kind of connected directly. And, you know, they just say, Hey, this is what I did. I was out there so many hours and they just send it to me. You get a record of what's happening. Um, it's been my experience with this. So it's, it's, it's a little extra step, but, um, it, it's not too bad. Thank goodness. Right. Um, so that, that's like the traditional one. Like, so you, you pay out the premium every month. Right. And that's, um, so the great thing is, it tends to be like immediate, relatively low upfront cost, pretty good insurance. Right. You kind of know what it is. You can, um, I know you can choose whether to allow that to escalate. Right. So you can get an insurance protection piece in there if you want and you kind of keep up with it. An inflation rider, correct? Yeah. Right, right. So sometimes people are like, oh, okay, well now it's uh, whatever nine, ten, eleven thousand a month potentially. But what about ten years from now, for twenty years from now? So if I have to project that out, um, it, it may not be the same because we, as we know, right now we're kind of in a cycle. Where we're getting a little worried about well, where expenses going, right? I mean, I had the housing market's doing pretty well, um, and certain asset classes are doing pretty well. What about the medical side? At some point, that's going to flow through the rest of us, right? And so we have to be ready. Um, to do that. So, so that's, that's a nice piece, right? So if you want to, you can kind of anticipate that and at least try to keep up with it in a reasonable way. Um, so one, one of the downsides I hear from people and clients, and I'm sure you do too, is like, okay, well, how long do I pay these premiums? And you continue to pay them, right? So you have to budget for it. Um, so do you want to talk about some of the other so it's kind of like a regular insurance, right? If I never crashed my car, I should just be happy. I didn't have to pay, I have to have a claim paid because I still have my car. Right. Same thing here. If I if I never need long term care, then, then that's OK. You're healthy. And that was just a way to hedge your uh, your life so you didn't have to worry about it and could sleep better at night, so to speak, and your family could sleep better. Um, but there are other options out there. You want to talk a little bit about some of the other options other than kind of traditional long term care where you, you 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 pay it and it's spent. Right. The money spent at that point. I do. I, I just want to mention that a lot of the carriers out there that are providing it do offer couples discounts. So if uh, uh, mom and dad want to purchase this, there are discounts on top of it. But you're 100% you're right. The way that these premiums are designed is you pay them uh, continually. 
until you go on claim. But remember, if it's uh, uh, one of the contracts that are eligible for that tax deduction, Uncle Sam's kind of helping you out here a little bit on, right. on an annual basis. So that has to factor in. You bring up a good point, and it goes back to what I said earlier. It's important that the plan is well-designed up front right. in terms of adding inflation riders, in terms of getting the right benefit, and, and very important fits within your budget. But if that's not fitting in your budget uh, for four or $500 a month, and I'm throwing a number out there, so don't hold me to it, how does four <laughs> or $5,000 a month going to manage in your budget? Because that's you know typical for the in-home care. But yeah, we could, um, we could take a look at, I'm sorry, did you want to add to that? No, no, I agree. I agree. So it's, it's so it's more to me uh, when you do traditional, it, it's 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 there's a lot of it's more about budgeting it, right? So whatever the number is, the number is, right? And you just know, hey, this is the way I'm handling the expense, and it's covered. I have the bucket of money that's necessary to take care of this, and this is the premium I'm just going to pay. And as long as you budget for that properly up front. Um, and as you, you know, even, even, uh, the class increases have become significantly less common because I think they're much better at it. You're, you're probably going to be paying that premium for something pretty close to it over the years. So it's, it's, um, it's a fairly reliable thing. We can't guarantee it as we know, but it's a pretty reliable number and that will over time get cheaper relative to in theory, your, your net assets and your income. So just like a mortgage, right? It should get cheaper over time for you as far as a relative part of your overall budget. Right, which, which brings me into the idea of, and you brought it up before, if you don't use the policy's benefits, you've lost the premium that's paid. So what are some of the alternate ways to fund long-term care? Um, life insurance companies, uh, and before I jump to the life insurance, there's fewer companies in the standalone marketplace. A lot of them did go out of the business a lot of them decided to pull that off the shelf. A little bit in the low low marketplace, where you don't have to lose the premium that you pay. Life insurance might be a good option because life insurance now uh, comes with long-term care riders, of which they call chronic illness riders. So think about this for a minute. Uh, you have a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider. If you have to go on a long-term care claim, they're going to use a percentage of the death benefit, not the cash buildup in an insurance policy to pay for the long-term care need. So if you never go on claim, it, it's, it's gonna be primary as a death benefit. It will then pay the proceeds out as a life insurance policy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me interrupt you, Mitch. I got I got to take a quick break, but I definitely want to. We definitely want to talk about the life insurance option because it's it's a very uh, a favorable way to do it. So um, we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Master Your Finances. We'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker here with Mitch Ketchin of Ketchin Financial, and we've been talking about long-term care. And you're just going into some of the uh, other options other than standalone. And I believe you're talking about the life insurance option. You want to tell us a little bit about how the life insurance option is and how that came to be? Right. So life insurance or insurance companies in general uh, came up with alternatives because there are fewer standalone insurance companies out there selling those products. So with a life insurance policy, we can now add a long-term care rider called a chronic illness rider to the insurance policy. And we're not going to lose the benefit if we don't use it for a long-term care need. So the policy then would be a life insurance policy, uh, not a long-term care policy. Or if the client only uses a percentage of the life insurance death benefit amount, uh, then the balance of that would still pass on to their heirs. The nice thing about the standalone life insurance policies are it's an indemnification of expenses. I talked about that earlier. Once you go on claim, 
they will send a check into your uh, deposit in your account or somebody who's caring for you account, and you could spend it as as you like. So it's very, very important um, that if you're concerned about reimbursement of expenses, life insurance policies, most of the ones that we write, don't require that as a prerequisite. So, and again, important to mention that it's not taking money out of your cash value in a permanent policy. They're actually offsetting the death benefit. And if I could just take a minute out and kind of explain how that works. If a client takes out a $500,000 death benefit, I'm picking a number, and we add a 2% rider to that death benefit, that client would receive $10,000 a month for approximately four years. You can work the math. It's $10,000 a month times 12 months is $120,000 times four years brings it at $480,000. So there'd be 20,000 left for that uh, last expense policy, if you will. So that's an important option that we can also explore with you. Uh, the other product that goes out and uh, uh, fills the bill is a long-term care annuity. In a long-term care annuity, the client, once they get approved, you've got to get approved for the long-term care annuity, and the approval process is relatively simple. There's 10 what we call knockout questions. If you answer those favorably, you can get up to three times the amount of your deposit. So an example, if you put $50,000 into a long-term care annuity, and you pass the knockout question part of the contract, there'd be $150,000 for you to use for your long-term care needs. And again, what we generally do is show you how that breaks down in terms of what actually is your monthly benefit. But the real nice part about that product is there's no additional payments. In a standalone, you have payments. In a life insurance policy, you have payments. Although in a life insurance policy, we can abbreviate the payments. You can say, how much does it cost to pay it up in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? In the annuity option, it's a one-time payment. That's it. And you would get up to three times the amount of your deposit. If you do not use it, for long-term care. You do not lose your initial deposit. The way the math works is you can cash it out or if you pass on for the equal to the value that you deposited. So that is a, a very viable option for a lot of my seniors who don't wanna get wrapped up into payments. Um, and of course, the, the option that we talked earlier, which really is the fourth option, which a lot of people don't like uh, thinking about this option, is really self-funding the contract, meaning pay the cost out of your pocket. But the Wall Street Journal article that I read fairly recently said that in a married couple situation, typically if one person goes out on claim, they are basically broke within 12 months. It's a pretty scary statistic, but if you're into a long-term care facility and it's costing you $10,000 a month, you're gonna wipe out your savings. So what does that leave for the person that you left behind? At that point, we can look at Medicaid options, which is we talked about earlier, is not a great option. Kurt, anything you'd like to add to it? Oh, no, I think that's, no, it's great. And I, uh, I, I agree. And so um, many, many people don't really have in, in real sense, the assets to, to, to manage this uh, fully and so I, I like to really provide all the options to them whenever possible, because as you point out, uh, one thing we didn't talk about a whole lot about it was with the one where you're paying for traditional, that tends to be a little t tougher on the underwriting costs because you're really just paying on insurance premium and they're, they're going to cover the whole expense like on day one, whereas the life insurance, they're kind of underwriting your life, right? And this is kind of an add-on. So as long as you're, they expect you to live, uh, which is hopefully the case, then um, the benefit, the, the long-term care rider is not, from, from their perspective is, is, a, is a, a little bit less risk than the first option, which is standalone. 
Um, and one thing you pointed out was as they deduct, I don't know if that was clear. I just want to make sure that's clear that if they have a life insurance policy for your $500,000 and they use $50,000 worth of benefits, they still get the 450 at death, right? So it does reduce, you did say reduce the death benefit, but I just want to make sure that they just get a little bit lower death benefit, but you actually used part of that life insurance, which in the old days, so to speak, and I guess it still happens today, but it was much more common. You'd have these life settlements where companies would literally have to come in, buy your policy, and you'd have to be really um, on your deathbed, like dying within one or two years. I mean, pretty you know, pretty severe illness to even access a life insurance policy. Well, the insurance companies kind of like responded and said, hey, we'd rather control this a little bit. We'd rather do a rider and and do it this way, and so I think I think that ended up being kind of a win-win for everybody as far as it's more organized, it's more methodical, it's more you know, um, it's easier to plan for it. And then the last one, of course, if you're putting in a large deposit with the insurance company, they can hedge right from day one a little bit better because you've given them the assets to kind of hedge against that cost. So from their perspective they don't have to be quite as strict on the underwriting side too. So sometimes people think, well, I'm, I can't get long-term care insurance because of X, Y, or Z. That's not necessarily true uh, because those different options have different levels of underwriting and different ways of looking at your overall risk profile. So I think that's kind of important for people to understand. Yeah, that's a very good point. When they're underwriting for life insurance, they're underwriting for mortality. When they're underwriting for long-term care, they're underwriting for morbidity. So when you put the combination in a life insurance policy, the focus is more on mortality than it is on morbidity. It has a tendency to be a little bit easier to get uh, in some cases than would be a standalone long-term care. But I would never assume anything with any client. And the writing is very flexible. Right. Uh, if it, you really need to go through the process, talk to professionals uh, like Kurt, like myself, that can walk you through that process and make it easy for you. And that's really what we do. And, and, and Kurt well, well said, you lay out all the options. And I know that, I know that for a fact. Yeah. And you'll, you'll fit the right option for that client. And I think that's ultimately the case. I think it's why both of us do what we do because it's, it's really important of, of kind of looking at every potential way of doing this. Because as you point out, everybody's different. Their finances are different. Their health is different. Their needs are different. So all these pieces have to be kind of put together um, in, a, in the proper way to really uh, minimize the risk, you know, with the least amount of cost, so to speak, in the, for, their, for their particular um, scenario. Um, I know one thing you wanted, you wanted to touch on a little bit, and if you want to touch on it now, is how life settlements work, what those are. Uh, I know I touched on it just for a, a second there. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and where that might play a part? Sure, absolutely. So if someone has a life insurance policy that they're thinking of getting rid of, what, because it's either just the, the cost of the insurance has gone up, or if it's a term policy and it's about to expire, before you do so, you get in contact with Kurt, and he can do an evaluation with some of our, our partners to see whether or not that policy has some worth. So how it works in the process is, and you brought it up before, is typically they're not looking for really healthy people. They're looking for people that have some medical issues. So we fill out a, a one-page form. We submit it into the carrier, and they look at whether or not this is a viable policy that somebody might buy. And when I say somebody, these are well-vetted, mostly insurance companies who are buying your policies. It's not somebody off the street that's going to uh, pay you X amount of dollars and, and buy your policy. And you got to walk around wondering when they're, when that bullseye on my back and they're going to take me out. So it's, it's, this is, this is on board as far as being very well vetted and a great option for those people who are looking for funds to help offset the costs of long-term care expenses, et cetera. It doesn't have to be just long-term care. Could you be paying your bills? Um, to uh, sell a policy to one of these vendors that would be interested in purchasing that policy. And you'll know in advance what kind of money you're looking at before you even sign any paperwork. I, I think that's an important point. And, I, and, I, and sometimes I hear about this too late, unfortunately, but the, the, the bottom line here is don't ever let an insurance policy lapse 
without discussing it with somebody because usually the the, the complaint is it's too expensive. What do I need it for? Um, and that's fine. But before you allow it to literally lapse, you may want to just talk to somebody about either reducing the expense, modifying the contract, or selling it outright. And then you don't have the expense anymore. You might actually get a little bit of money for it. So there are options out there. So the key is before you let an insurance policy lapse, it's better just to talk to somebody and see what's out there. And the other part you pointed out that I think is very important is these are being handled by insurance companies now. They're basically buying the risk. So it's not like some of the early days where you know, let's just say it wasn't really up and up some of the things they were doing. This is a more legitimate method of handling because they've kind of recognized there's a need there for some of these older insurance policies where they might need long-term care benefits or access to the, pre the, the actual death benefit a little early. So I think that was very important to point out, Mitch. Yeah, heavily regulated, heavily yeah. regulated yeah. marketplace right now. So, but if you, so to your point, just don't let it lapse. If you, it doesn't cost anything to get an evaluation on it. So, you know, I'd suggest to the folks that I deal with, if you're going to let it go, let's see if it's worth anything. Well, appreciate that, Mitch. You've done a great job of going through the, the basic options. As we both know, it's it's extremely complicated process, uh, but it's definitely doable. And it's a very important thing to do for everybody to do at some point. Uh, earlier than we do it, the better. Any last thoughts before we uh, head off here? Well, I think the important thing is that we we do complementary services in terms of evaluation. So when somebody comes in, they're not on the clock. We're not the, the lawyers. We're not the accountants. We want to we want to take a look at your situation and then we could determine where to go from there. So don't be afraid to come and approach uh, Kurt uh, or myself because we're going to charge you X amount of dollars. That's not our upfront. Uh, way of doing business. So I think that's important to mention to a lot of people as well. Okay. All right, Mitch, thank you very much. Mitch Ketchin of Ketchin Financial. Um, I am Kurt Baker. I can be reached at 609-716-4700. Uh, you can listen to this uh, podcast and all the podcasts by going to masteryourfinances.us. Remember, together we can master your finances so you can enjoy financial peace of mind. That was this week's episode of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. to expand your knowledge in building and managing your wealth. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Master Your Finances to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University.